Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Hello and welcome to Radio, a podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. It's been 940 days since the first case of COVID in China. To many people, it seems like they're ready to just forget and move on. But the reality is we live in a world where the impact is going to define the next few years of business and the culture that we live in. In this podcast, we want to share the stories of how entrepreneurs faced a global pandemic, how most of them stood up when people were hiding at home, and they explored creative ways that they turned this pandemic into an opportunity. Today, I'm very, very happy to have Peter Geldenes, an EO member from Cape Town on the podcast for me, who describes himself as a lifelong tourism professional who loves to figure out problems on long hikes and how he used the COVID crisis to fast forward to the thing that he was going to do 10 years from now. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for having me, Ross. So I'm going to give you the same question I've asked everyone on radio. Give us your kind of business elevator pitch. And if it's changed dramatically from COVID, what is the pre-elevator pitch and what is the post-elevator pitch? There's three. So which one do you want? Uh, give us all three. I love, I love elevator pitches. All right. Uh, Classic Escapes is South Africa's um, premier uh, custom safari experience company. Uh, that's a horrible elevator pitch. Let me do this different. We choreograph connection for wholehearted travelers wanting to come to Africa and connect with themselves, their family, and their environment and make sustainable environmental impact. That is our luxury travel business, Classic Escapes. Red. Shoshan Walks, the startup that I'm busy with now. We combine the world's epic walks with with uh, with for a mindset and gratitude work to effect real and lasting change in people's lives by spending time in nature and and anchoring our next steps. So that's Social Walks. It's a coaching, facilitating, walking business. And I do lots of stuff around the seven habits, scaling up and the Enneagram within that environment. Right. The third thing that, that we do is tourism bootcamp. Is an NGO focused on scaling people, particularly South Africa's previously disadvantaged um, groups that don't have the uh, the resources, background, um, or access that allows them to fast forward their careers in tourism. And that's a training organization and an NGO. So you run three businesses. Uh, you are a published author. You always have time to have coffee or breakfast with people. Can you, can you just give us a little bit the sort of, the 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 entrepreneurial journey? How did you like? How did you get into this? Like, what has your journey been up to to this point? And and we'll tackle the sort of, the COVID, the pandemic piece um, a bit later in the episode. Well, the headline is my mom was sitting at her desk at ten thirty on weeknights working out itineraries for people going to Croatia and Hong Kong. That's that's the house I grew up in. Uh, and my father would jump in his car at 11 p.m. to go sort out a problem at the airport. My folks had a travel agency. And for us, there was none of this, you know, work-life balance story. Business was life. Life was business. Um, but business was fun. So that's what I got born into. Is business is fun, um, but business is a full commitment. And like so... That. So I, uh, 
I eventually joined the family business after traveling abroad and finishing my studies. We sold it to a big corporate eventually. Uh, my parents exited. I worked for the, for, the, for the evil overlords, eventually quit, decided this isn't fun. Of course, business should be fun. And I, after again traveling for a bit, I started my own business. And I only started that business, Ross, because it was the third thing that I wanted to do. The first thing I wanted to do was help people scale, um, be a leadership and self, you know, through the seven habits of highly effective people, um, help people to, I don't know, just show better in life. And I couldn't figure out how to do that. I also wanted to write a book. I couldn't figure out how to do that. And so I did the third thing, which is start a tourism business, because that I did know how to do. And um, that took me, that, that's that's how I started PG Tops, which was my first own, um, wholly owned tourism venture. That's super cool. And, and you know, tell me a little bit about, you, you say you started it. Did it just become successful overnight? Like what was the, the no into the business? Like? No, I had to leave a wedding in, in Azerfontein at 1am at while everybody else was getting drunk to go pick up a guy for 300 rand to take him to the train station. You know, you do whatever you want to do. You've got a van and an idea, but you walk the streets, you, I mean, you do whatever at the start because you have no idea how this actually works. And um, so no, it was hard. It was hard. I didn't make any money for about a year. Then I realized because I speak Spanish fluently, I can, I can lead Spanish uh, clients. And I realized I actually have this legacy network that I'm not tapping. So I've started to go on really big niche marketing and, and, and legacy networks marketing. And then I found instead of trying to walk the street and compete with everybody else, go to specifics. It's that thing that I now teach in Accelerator, stay narrow, go deep. So once I figured exactly where my niche is, then, then we scaled quickly. But it took me about 18 months to work it out. I didn't really have an idea. I just knew I wanted so, to take so your niche was, was. was your yeah. niche in luxury travel or did you, you kind of... No. To... No, I was single. And I thought it's a great idea to buy a van and take Swedish uh, 20-year-old woman on wine tours, you know. Um it's not a great premise for a business, I'll, I'll tell you, Ross. Um, it's great fun, but they don't pay a but lot. But business is supposed to be fun. So what's more fun? Yeah, I, I, over, I overdid. Swedish women around. I overdid the, you know, <laughs> it stopped being fun when I got a girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. So, so it, it, it inadvertently, so I got into sports um, tourism. Um, hosted the uh, hosted the Lions Lions Tour Legacy Networks Lions Tour in two thousand and nine, then the World Cup in two thousand and ten. I looked off after all the Mexican Chilean groups in the Spanish sector of the market, and I figured things out. And I focused on uh, sort of uh, eventually private customized tours, because I realized the way I wanted to to travel was was do more quality, less quantity. Mm. So the paradox of it was, if you're going for a mass market, which is where I started. You need to fill your plan with as much stuff as possible to get the sale because you're going through distributors. But when you're selling an experience where the client is kind of in control of their experience, which is, I don't know about you, but I hate, you know, not having enough time at a great place to go to a crappy place that's on the, on the schedule. Um, and so I just said, less is more and I'll, I'll charge more for it. And, and, and we, we took off because we were selling, um, you know that the luxury is the is the fact that I actually think it's amazing up on Table Mountain, and I stay here for the rest of the afternoon, and I don't care about going to Kirstenbosch. And sure, we can do that. Mm. And that's that's what I started to offer people: is just to give them a plan, but they don't need to stick to it. And that's kind of that's that's been the basis of a lot of 
how I live my life now. Is always have a plan, but don't be married to it. Wow, but I'm I'm interested. You seem to have, have tapped into a little bit of your own personal driver in in business and why it is that you're doing. You know, and you seem to have turned that a little bit into a, a weapon or a process of how you design your your company and your product and your marketing. Is this something that you? have always done or is it something that sort of you've learned like over time because you're like this is what I want this is what resonates with me and I'm going to design an experience you know that I can share with other people who then in theory will resonate with it as much as you do well exactly um I I suppose uh, everything that you've done from that point on which is private and customized tours then going into the custom luxury safari market then going into uh, uh, the training and, and now the coaching and walking, it's about a choice. I offer people choices and people can make the choice to not make a choice. You decide. And that's a choice, right? But, but, but I'm always giving people all the options and make a choice and then we will execute that choice. And if that choice needs to change, I've always got a few things in pockets for that. And that's the way I live my life. My game changer was in 2000, 22 years ago, um, first year of my MBA, I came across Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And here's the bottom line. If you don't have a plan, the other person's plan wins. Right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a plan, the other person's plan wins. If you don't know what your priorities are, if you don't know where you're going, if you haven't kind of mapped out at least a plan, you're going to end up following someone else's plan in life, in business, in whatever. So I am a firm believer in having a plan. And one of the things that I do in Shoshan Walks is we go walk the Camino de Santiago and we walk to the cathedral in Santiago. The cathedral is a plan, but the walk is about every day enjoying the walk, being in the the experience. So it's the duality of have a plan, but don't be married to a plan. Just don't, if you're going to get on somebody else's plan, then that's going to be a very intentional, very deliberate thing. Okay, I think your plan is better than mine. I'm getting off mine. I'm getting on to yours. But again, what happens with most people is you don't have a plan, so you end up just by default following the someone else's plan. And that's that's how life works. It's about, and Covey calls it the principle-centered leadership. You figure out your principles. You figure out your in mind. You figure out what's important to you, and then you have those boundaries clearly clear in your head, and then you break them mindfully, intentionally, um, but only because... Yeah, you want to, not because you don't know what else to do. Does it make sense? It makes um, a lot of and sense. that's that's how I live my life. Yeah. I love that I love that idea that you have a choice not to make a choice. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, and, and I think there are, are many people who are running businesses and delivering products and doing things that sort of incrementally happened. I mean, I know my business has changed kind of exponentially over the last two years and I think the business I had going into the pandemic was a lot more related around the sort of incremental things that I just sort of found along the way they weren't necessarily clear choices I was just like oh we can do that oh this can happen oh somebody's Mm. pulling me over there and you just sort of like fumble along and assemble these things I think the business we have now is a lot more you know I guess you framed it so nicely for me that it's a choice like I think we've made much clearer choices about what kind of work we want to do 
what the billing mm. looks like for that, who we want to help, how are we going to exactly. do that? Like is a much more intentional, much more powerful signal to be sending out into the world. And I think coming back to fulfillment, it's, it's for me as an entrepreneur, for my team as people who are helping build this vision with me, it's a lot more fulfilling when you make a choice and then you see it play out with you as opposed to just sort of, receiving things and reacting which is a very different way of being you know you know that term checking out i've I've actually did my blog on this today to check out is to to die is one version of checkout it's to pay for the things that you that you just purchased it's to leave the hotel but it's also to examine something for value and suitability so it's got that duality right checking out can either be i'm i'm looking into it or i'm actually leaving it and I find, I find, but it's 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 an intentionality that's often missing. Um, can I swear on your show? Um, I don't know if yeah. I can. And um, what's the? So you're welcome. My first ignite with EO that I attended about four years ago. One of the chaps quoted Derek Sievers, the world's greatest email, and I'm a big fan. And I've listened to him a lot on Tim Ferriss's podcast. But Derek Sievers said a thing that resonated with me earlier this year, and it's it's what my 2022 is about. If it's not a fuck yeah, it's a no. So there's all these little things that are, yeah, that could be cool, right? And we do them and then they distract us and they take us away from our fuck yes. And, 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 and I'm really being incredibly conscious of, of that for this year is if it's not a fuck yeah, then I just don't do it because there's enough fuck yes in my life that needs my full attention. My kids, my work, my my wife, you know, my 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 health, you know, anything anything that doesn't align with my priorities, you know, and and it really aligns, I don't do. And I, I'm absolutely happy to say no in a very nice way. <laughs> That's amazing. And have you found that more opportunity finds you, more fuck yes find you because you're saying no to the the the, the middle ground stuff? Absolutely, because you're clear, right? Because you're clear. It's um, uh, if you're clear, people understand, and people want to place you. You know, um, um, you've also got um, you've got a kid. I don't know if, if your if your extended family is asking when's the second one. When's you know you get the second one. It's when's the third one. Um, or if you're not in a relationship, is when are you finding someone? Or if you're not married, when are you getting married? People love to place you, to understand you, to put you in a, in a box, right? So I'm not a big fan of being put in boxes, but if you're clear on what it is that you do and who you're there for, you will attract those people, you'll attract that conversation, you will, um, you know, it's that law of attraction that they talk about in the secret. So when you're clear, everybody else gets clear. When you want to hire somebody, and by the way, that's what I now do for our tourism business is I'm like the strategy onboarding, I'm the scaling up guy, because that's what I teach in, uh, part of what I teach in Shoshan Walks, so for the business that I now run with my wife, um, she's so busy doing, I'm doing all the, well, what's the scorecard for onboarding people? How do we, how do we, what's our scaling strategy? What's our long, you know, all that stuff, which I love, right? Mm. And which which I have the time and the effort, can make the effort to push. But it's funny because now I'm wanting to hire more people because tourism is back and we're scaling back up and yada, yada, yada. Who are you looking for? What, 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 what specifically do you want that person to do what skills do they specifically need to have? What yeah. values do they specifically need to adhere to? And once you've got that little list, the scorecard that we use done, it makes it a lot easier to filter, 
to make a good decision and to bring the right people on board, you know? So it's just being clear what you want, who you are, all that stuff. I like that. There's this sort of thing of being definitive about what it is that you're there for, what it is that you're showing up for, what do you want, what do you expect? And I think by giving exactly. people that clarity, it it helps them to place you or not place you. <laughs> like Actually, yeah. you're not the guy for me. You're not the place for me. You're not giving me what I have to offer. And you're like, well, you're not the client for me. You're not, <laughs> you know, I don't want this revenue because it's not supporting me in what it is that I'm doing. And I can refer you to someone who I believe can. Can I give you my clear title at the moment? Yes. Um, because remember, me and my wife both had tourism business, same sector, slightly different way. She was a relationship-focused business. I was a systems-focused business. I built all that scaling up. I built great systems, a great team. But in terms of industry visibility, I was kind of under the radar while, while she, her strength is supply relationships, magic on the ground, um, client relationships, very well known in industry. So I've resigned myself to the fact because I've, I've met a, a very well-known guy in the industry last night for dinner again. He says, but who have you met? I said, yeah, Peter, I said, what's your company? And my friend said, no, 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 Peter, just introduce yourself properly. I said, okay, yeah, I'm Caroline Bailey's baby daddy. Ah, okay, now I know who you are. Okay, so um, sometimes you need to be very clear on what your title is in the bigger, <laughs> depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> That's right. So tell yeah. me, you know, you've got this, you've got this, this tourism business, you know, you've got these wealthy people coming to have amazing experiences here in South Africa. Mm. Then March 2020, um, they shut our oh, tambo down, they shut down Cape Town International Airport, they shut down Durban, uh, like I'm assuming unless you're illegally bringing people in on boats, uh, the tourism is, is over. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of you know, the COVID journey and then like, what did you build? Like, what was the things you created off the back of, of that journey? Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you three things, Ross. Uh, the, there, were, there were three advantages that I had. A, my, I start, after I met Caroline, I had started to change my business from a capital intensive vehicles, depot, lots of logistics insourced to an outsourced business because that's what she had. And it was a much better business. Um, so I, I had started to change to a virtual team, started to change to a smaller team, but a higher client profile, more a sort of a knowledge-based business two years before this happened. And I was in that process. So our businesses started to look a lot more alike when this thing happened, having two separate tourism businesses. Um, that's the first thing that I need to you understand. So we had a lot of clients that kind of were in the same grid. Secondly, I had done an, uh, what they call a regional leadership academy, um, which is one of EO's premier um, learning um, platforms, where I onboarded this morning ritual, uh, which is called the 10 10 10, where every single day you start your morning with intentionality and you journal and you meditate and you, you basically write down what the day is going to be about. And that helped me to go from a long term, because I'm always a long term goal guy, to kind of take back from long-term goals and BX and things to sort of daily intentionality. So that's the second thing that was really important for me because when this thing hit, that was what I could hold on to, was a habit of daily intentionality because our long-term environment got shattered. Yes. Uh, and then and then the third, the third thing that happened um, was uh, that uh, we, I had already started the side hustle in the Shoshin Walks I'd already started to become an accelerator trainer, and I and I had I had a lot of stuff that I thought 
I would do 10 years from now because the business was too much momentum. The business was too good, right? And um, I didn't think I'd be able to do any of those things with, with again, Derek Seaver's quote, this time, you know, when I get to 55, I will do that, you know, but for the next 10 years, it makes sense to run this business because it's such a good business. Yeah. Now, disaster strikes, all the planes go down, Caroline and I are both shut down and we need to make a decision on how long are we going to carry our teams for? What resources are we going to keep? Two separate businesses, two separate infrastructures, offices, equipment, but most importantly, staffing and and and, and what is the cash runway? Is that this point that the Enneagram came into my life, I became Enneagram facilitator after we got an Enneagram coach to take us through the process of if we were to put these two businesses together, what would that look like? What came out of that process is I was the one to let go of my ego, let go of the brand that I built um, over over the last ten years, let go of my 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 sense of I am the CEO of a, I'm now the the partner and I suppose chairman of our business, but Caroline is the face. Where yeah, does it make sense? So yeah. so the enneagram process was for us to understand the emotion of of what needs to happen and what needed to happen was hers was as I explained to you before the stronger industry brand, and I could easily migrate my clients into that. Um, um, and the other way didn't make sense. So we merged the businesses, shift, shifted over the, the, the key clients um, into Caroline's business, and then nothing happened, by the way, except we're deferring stuff. Nothing happened for 18 months, but we made that decision early on. Mm. And that helped us to stay financially what secure. Gave you, like, what gave you the clarity yeah. to sort of be definitive in that moment? Because a, a lot of people, myself included, sort of tried to hold on, to, you know, to the thing. And, and looking back, I think potentially I could have been more definitive around how I thought about our cash and our staff. Because I'm still carrying some of the burdens of those decisions two years later mm. you know you sort of paying back debt and things that's that i did because i made certain choices like what what helped you to be so definitive in that moment clarity yeah remember i'm um i'm an accountant accountant by by, by the training that's what i studied at university um as well as the mba so i did the four projections i look at what this would cost me to keep to keep going how long it would take me to actually just hit it hit even if we've got an 18 months worth case scenario runway, which it, which it ended up being uh, for both businesses. So I ran all the numbers and I, and I took that. And again, one of the EO things that I learned was if you think of yourself as a, as a shareholder, not a founder, mm. right? If you take a view of a shareholder and I don't have any, any, any emotional equity in this, what would I do? That was the, the bird's eye view was one of the first things. Uh, the second, this the second thing uh, that I suppose that happened there, Ross was, we, Caroline loves it, you know. I started wanting to take Swedish backpackers on wine tours, right. I had this uh, 12 years ago of just being on the road and, and connecting with cool people and building a business that way. But you said, but I also like building people, right. So I we started to scale. I hired my first. And, and then the fun of the business started to be hiring people, helping them on their growth journey, and just following all the opportunity, like so the, the, the vehicles business became a safari business and then I started the school for the NGO and all this stuff was fun stuff that grew out of that. But I ended up in a place where I didn't actually really feel passionate about the product. Caroline loves going to Sangeeta 
and and checking out the and, and staying at the luxury lodge and going on all the game drives and she can identify all the bird types and she knows the mating rituals of the lesser spotted hyena and I don't care. I love building the business, but I don't care. I, I loved I started because I love going up Table Mountain and I love showing people, <laughs> you know, the, telling people the history of South Africa. That's what I care about, and I, I and so I can help her run the business, but she's the one that cares. So the one that cares needs to be at the front of it. The one that cares, the one that's doing the thing that they were meant to do, you know, and that's where we ended up. So that made it easy. If one of us is going to keep up going, one of us is going to step out. Who stays? Who goes? Well, she stays, right? And I get to do the thing that I care about, which is scaling people, systems, building the business, all the processes and things. Which I'm better at, by the way, than she is. I get to, I get to do that now, hmm. but I don't have to. I don't know. Reconfirm the, the availability because the client can't make up their mind um, um, for the luxury lodge. It drives me nutty. You know, why do you want to spend that much money going there anyway? I don't have to do that. But I can do all the stuff in the background, which makes me, yeah. which really makes me tick. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes <laughs> it makes perfect sense. So, so you know, you've got this amazing kind of business uh, Shoshin walks, you know, and I think you leant into it quite hard during during COVID. Um, will you talk a little bit about how your thinking was around that that piece? You know, you see, you've you've shut your business down. You know, you've merged it together, and you've kind of you hunkering down for eighteen months. Like, how are these other pieces of your puzzle playing out uh, around you? Well, the initial iteration was it just gave my team something to do. You know, we've got our daily huddles. We're we're you know, at, uh, two, two months in, there was nothing to do, and everybody's still hanging on because we had these three, six, twelve. We had these projections. Everybody else kind of went back to work to since two months in. But we didn't go back to work for 18 months, Ross. That's that's what that looked like for, for tourism. So so it gave my team um, on the short term something to do. So we started to do these overnight trips up in Great and McGregor. Um, and that allowed me to put my, 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 my tour guide to work. It allowed me to, help, to get my consultants that were left to work. And that was the first thing. It was just running overnight walks and, 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 and pioneering the model. Remember now I'm... I've got the space, time and space to to learn how to coach and learn and 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 learn coaching technique and and kind of figure out because the idea was the life changes that I'd experienced right on Kilimanjaro on the Inca Trail on the Camino every time I go for a long walk and I kind of have an intention of doing some personal work things things drop I have friends that decided to get married on a long walk you know I've seen it I've seen the personal transformation so. The idea was put some of those processes, some of the stuff we do in forum, some of the stuff we do in EO, just around intentionality, gratitude, setting goals, visions, and just asking some hard questions. Um, um, so I've got all kinds of stuff, conversation starter cards, um, vision setting exercises, breath work. And I started to play. I started to play, kept my staff busy, built product that I could do in South Africa for South Africans at a lower price point. It was quite different from the luxury stuff that we would sell to the Americans. And that was, we had to defer Otter Trail trips five times because Sun Parks wasn't letting us in. But we found walks and places that wasn't government regulated and we could do a version of it. Then eventually, nine months in, we could do the Wild Trail. We could do the Otter Trail and we could start running those. And then there was this, a process of iteration with that. And that was the point because now we can start doing Kilimanjaro and the Inca and the Camino and the international ones where, is where I actually wanted to start. 
but now I've figured out the processes, the, the work processes that I want to mm. take on the walks with people. Does it make sense? So the time was really well spent locally figuring out what the growth, the personal growth journey needs to look like um, while you're on the walk. And that's, I mean, that's what that looked like. It was very stimulating, made absolutely no money, but it was a, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a, um, it was a process piece to investigate what it should look like, you know? And, and I think we're there now. Yeah, I've, I've, like, I think it's interesting that you you had this big vision and the sort of the, the macro trend of COVID and the shutdowns forced you not to be able to do that. So you had to yeah. be more experimental and more open to kind of going to other places and walking on mountains and places that you just never, ever would have considered because it's not as sexy, but in a sense that's created a, like a process in a way that's actually valuable that you might not have found if you'd gone on to those bigger pieces as your first kind of opening move or potentially it would have been a much more expensive much longer kind of development process and it's it's you know what's not so lucky now is from my first workbooks that i did you know now the well trail in may next year we've got to i've, I've worked this out we need a proper shift so we've got a, a, a high-end chef doing all the cooking. People don't have to worry about food. Um, everybody that comes does the Enneagram profile. So we do an Enneagram-based um, getting to know each other. And that becomes the theme throughout the work. We do the breath work. We do the, the reflection, the vision setting off. off. All those things that I've onboarded as, as personal skill sets over the last two years, I can now integrate into these experiences. And that's very exciting for me because mm-hmm. my ability to help people is elevating every single time I go. And, 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 and just to see how this helps people on their own journeys is really where the juice sits for me, you know, and make the world a better place. Lessons from Labradors, right? You know, make the world a better place. Uh, sorry, that's the talk that I give. Make the world a better place, um, you know, leave it in a better place than you found it. And that sits behind all this, I suppose. So, yeah, it's been it's the, the, the space that this slowdown has allowed, has allowed for me to, to develop, you know, because you don't have time to develop a product to this to this depth and to do all the all the learning uh, when you're in your business in such a big way mm. and 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 in february 2020 everybody was going to have their biggest year ever like we were all on fire it feels the same now because there's been this glut of clients suddenly all the airlines are coming back to south africa and everybody in my industry feels the same now as we did in february 2020 so i hope it's not the same kind of setup for failure but it feels the same which is great <laughs> Um, but it was, um, but when you're in that place, you don't have time to go become an Enneagram coach or write a book or, mm. you know, start uh, uh, do the side project. The crisis allowed me to take the side project and make it the project. And that's, I'm very grateful for. I also like, I mean, what you just said is you, you were able to integrate all of the skills that you have. And I think sometimes when you're part of these amazing networks like EO, or if you're naturally curious or you're always consuming and there's this definite drive in the entrepreneurship space to read more books, you know, engage with more blogs, just consume, consume, consume. But I think that knowledge only becomes valuable when you integrate it into yourself, into your processes, into your systems, into your teams, into your products. And I think the 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 unique combination of all of the pieces that you, Peter, the individual, have acquired 
driven by your your sort of sense of purpose is what makes the product unique and amazing. So when people experience it, they're like, I've never bought anything or had anything like this before because they're experiencing a product that is kind of, you know, born out of your your experience, your skill set that you've had time and, and like energy to sort of craft and hone. And it's it's so cool. I'm also getting coached now because I'm on a weight loss mission. Um, um, and, and the chap that's coaching me is also, I train in the accelerator the scaling up stuff is from that Jono is from that accelerator environment. And I can see how he's, how he's onboarded the teachings into his process. He's also iterating. And I'm also as a client, part of his iteration process. I also think that's exciting where you're, where, you know, people are doing the right things, but they haven't quite worked it out yet. And you're, 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 and my clients, it's the same way. We're, we're, we're still seeing what pops, but it's a very exciting process. You know, something pops, but we don't know what, and it's and that, and that coaching that coaching journey is 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 very very uh, rewarding. I'll tell you one other thing, um, Ross. Is you? I'm going to combine what my grandma always said. My grandma said, and for Afrikaans listeners, my kind, probeer alles maar So try everything, but hold on to the good stuff. And I'm an Enneagram Seven. I'm an enthusiastic visionary, which is I want to eat fully of the buffet of life, right? That means that that's also meant I've been overweight my whole life because I, it, it translates to my eating habits. But but that take fully of the buffet of life, but then at some point decide which part of the of the meal you actually like and and, and and do and works for you, you know. And that's that's the second trick, is 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 integrating the parts that work. You we both know Rich Mulholland. Um, um, he's he's his public speaking course, um, which we both also did, is very good. And I think at some point he, he says, you know, stop reading books. Like, you know, it's 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 fine to want to have a thirst for learning, but all these business books, you know, you can read a thousand of them and nothing changes. Mm. But you can read two, and and make them work, and take 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 them and with one, and and start doing that. Take the advice, take the tool sets, and integrate them. So the integration part is what's often missing. I'm a big fan of thirst for learning. But I think the integration part is, you say, whoa, whoa, enough learning now, integration yeah. time. I think integration is almost more important than the learning. I think you can learn, yeah. you can learn one thing and integrate it effectively and you'll probably be more successful than if you, integ- if you learn 50 things and integrate. Exactly. Less them. is more. Less is more sometimes, you know. Um, another guy that I heard um, on, on an on a accelerator thing in Philadelphia a few years ago, and my wife reminds me of this because again, Enneagram 7, woo! Big shiny object, go here. Woo! Big shiny object, go there. Bring it back. This guy said in that speech, stay narrow, go deep. Mm. Right? Um, once you find the groove, stay narrow, go deep. Because we, you know, again, in my personality profile, I go, well, I can do this, I can do that, I can do that. The biggest trick then for people like me is stay narrow, go deep, because I found the groove. And yeah. That's that's my personal that's that that's my lifelong journey is just to, and that's why I surround myself with people that do that well. I suppose, you know, um, yes. that stay in the groove well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm interested that you you know you've also identified you've got that self awareness of yourself enough to know that your your wife was a better placed person to do the role that was acquired in the travel business, which, you know, is an ego knock, but in a, in terms of a life 
thing, you, you're actually freer now to do other things because you were willing to put your ego aside and accept something that maybe, you know, in a, in another kind of version of the world you, you held on and then you would still be stuck in that role unhappy, you know, and probably sort of living in. It irritated the hell out of me, Ross. We had two businesses. I had more revenue than her. I gave these people more business and we get to the party. I still get introduced as Caroline's um, husband because she, she understands the relationships. Yeah. And I was like, what, the, what do I have to do with my life here to, for people to notice me? And I just, <laughs> it's not like I, I gave up. I just knew my strength is not that. I don't, I'm not part of the tribe. I don't, I don't care enough. You know, you have to, you know, like it's like CrossFit. You have to care enough for people yes. to actually invite you to the parties. If you don't care enough, you know, you keep, keep, and I didn't care enough. That was so the, is this that is why you designed line. a business where you can escape your wife and go up on a mountain with no one. Like, so then now they True have story. to listen to you because there's only, only you keeping them alive. My friend, my friends, my friend Harold says there's two versions, right? Of my, of my, of my Shoshin walk, right? There's the, there's the standard version that, you know, you can buy on the website. And then there's the sort of the, the bells and whistles version. You know what that includes? Um, I don't talk. Peter shuts up. <laughs> the upgrade is a premium and then i won't yeah. talk to you on the <laughs> and then you just get yada, to yada. yada 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 toki 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 <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, Peter, we, we're almost out of time. So I want to ask you one sort of like yes. closing question for you. Like if you were to distill this, like what is the, the biggest insight or learning that you had about yourself or your business through this kind of process that's that you hope to hold on to forever? Um, Russ, it's actually quite a recent uh, term that, that I'm really onboarding now, and it's limiting beliefs. Um, I think the real work is to examine your limiting beliefs. Uh, for me, I'm about to publish my second novel, the first of the Shoshin Walk series. It's coming out next week, uh, Max and the Mulligan. And my limiting belief was that I hate the revision process because my earlier, my, my years ago stabs at writing, I've hated the work that comes after the first draft. I love I loved the creative process, but I had a limiting belief that I hate the hard work of fixing it, making it good, you know, doing the hard yards of, of refining it. And in COVID, I switched my headspace. I don't even, I can't even tell you how I did it now. I, it's probably that daily ritual, but I was just like, this is going to be fun. Today, my intention is I'm going to have fun with this. I'm have fun with making this better. And so identify the limiting belief and then consciously figuring out how to how to change that viewpoint, how to change that perspective. COVID was not a disaster. COVID was an opportunity. Mm. Um, not having clients was not an obstacle. It was it, it was it was an opportunity for 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 time with the family, for just switching the limiting belief um, has been the biggest. Uh, yeah, an understanding, being you know being receptive to identifying a limiting belief and then figuring out, you know, books like Atomic Habits, The Seven Habits, um, Anthony Robbins, there's all these resources available to us to kind of go, well, what's my limiting belief? 
and how can I, how can I switch that? And how can I, you know, get the thing done that I thought was impossible for me? So that's your. I'm struck by by the thought that you're quite a, an intentional person, and you you seem to have been throughout your whole life, but it still took an entire pandemic for you to sort of you know reach this reach this point, which is is quite in, interesting. Like I'm I'm definitely going to carry out of this interview that like business should be fun, and um, to to sort of intentionally look at what my limiting beliefs are. So thank you very much for your time, Peter. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Ross. This was fun. Well, you know, you've been listening to Radio, which is a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. It's hosted by myself, Ross Drakes, and it was um, co-created by my co-host, Rich Holland. It's produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. You can tune in every week to listen to more episodes of stories of people like Peter and how they've turned something like COVID into the biggest reset and opportunity of their business lifetime. If you are interested in becoming a member of the Entrepreneurs Organization, please go to eonetwork.org. It's one of the most transformational networks that I have ever been part of. And I'd like to just close out by saying, remember that sharing actionable knowledge is, I believe, one of the most generous things you can do. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you all in the next one. Bye-bye.